This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Love has been so skewed, the definition of love. It's hard for us sometimes to even be able to grasp the true reality of a moment that we're celebrating today. This love of God, this agape love of God, which, which literally means love with no agenda. Can you imagine like, if that's the way we treated each other? If that was the culture of the world, like, I love you with no agenda. I don't have an angle to work here, you know? And I think in so many ways, if we were to be honest, there's some needed grace to understand this God, this one called Jesus. You know, today for me, if I could just be honest, I... I I'm not too excited about just having another meeting. I really want to, even personally again, just recenter my heart on like, what is this all about? What does this mean? What is the significance of what Christ did by coming to the earth, clothing himself in flesh, taking on a form of humanity and, and enduring the shame of the cross? of death on the cross. Why? I mean, what is, what is this all about? What does it mean? The other day, Wendy and I were walking, watching a documentary on Tina Turner. I know this is old school. We just love studying people and, and their stories and their journeys. And she said something in her documentary that really struck me. She said, I've had a shameful life and I've had to live under the power of that shame. At the end when she was in this low moment of her life at that time, right, right leading up to around 50 or so, and she was going through a divorce with her husband. It was so sad. It was so terrible. That which they had built together, she was actually left with nothing. The way that he had kind of maneuvered the financial dealings of, of, of their business in the, in the music industry. And in the end, she just looked at the judge and she said, Judge, all I want as I walk away from this covenant that is now being broken today, all I want is my name. And the judge granted her her name. And as I was watching this, I was like, I don't even know if she knew what she was asking for because, you see, love... At the end of the day, the love of God, it gives us our name back. And let's expound on that just for a minute. It gives us the true self of who we actually were always intended to be in him. There's no fear in this kind of love. To be truly free to be truly you. 
I mean, if you think about it, even before the death, burial, and ultimate resurrection of Jesus, there was a resurrection of another one, Lazarus, right? Who I think actually is so representative of the church. The, the very body of Christ, the very people of God that the Lord wants to pull out of our tombs, unwrap the grave clothes from our lives that hold us bound. Spencer and I were talking on Friday night, which was such a beautiful night here, where, you know, when Jesus went into the, into the to, to death itself as he gave up his spirit on the cross, it said that there was this great earthquake, right? And, and, and it said, this is really profound to think about this. It says that the, the, the bodies of the saints who had died before awoken in their tombs, came to life. Amazing, right? But he pointed out that they stayed in those tombs for three days. Until Jesus came out of his, and then they began to walk around the city, speaking of the kingdom of God. Is this a little heavy? I mean, this is kind of pretty, you know, profound thoughts to think about, right? And I was like, wow, Lord, I just started to dream with God as Spencer started sharing that with me. I was like, what would it look like if we came out of our tombs? And started to walk around our cities. And in a very un, non-religious way, with some power on us, start to talk about this thing called the kingdom of heaven. That has the ability to actually bring change to a human life. Not leave us bound and riddled in brokenness. I want to say to you this morning with all boldness, and with, with, with just sincere love in my heart, there is something way more that Christ has paid for that I think we have yet to grab a hold of. And I want to just share a brief story with you of a woman in the Word of God that experienced this, and this was pre-again Jesus' death on the cross, pre-His crucifixion, pre-His resurrection. And I think it was so, he's trying to get a message across. He, through Lazarus, through this woman, he's trying to show us before he even does what he's getting ready to do so that we can understand what this all means. So in John chapter 8, Jesus walks up to the Mount of Olives near the city where he spent the night. And then at dawn, verse 2, I love the, I love the language here, a new day, right? A new day was there. Jesus appeared in the temple courts again, and soon all the people gathered around to listen to his words. He was this man that, 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 that had authority on his words. They weren't just wah, 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 talking, bunch of noise like we've experienced, right, in the last year. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got something to say. Jesus would come in and just shatter all of the noise with words that had power on them. And he sat down and taught them. Then in the middle of his teaching, the religious, look at this. Isn't it interesting? That life is always trying to be quelled by this thing called religion. We're a part of something far greater than religion. These religions, re, scholars and Pharisees broke through the crowd. They brought a woman who had been caught into the act of 
committing adultery, and they made her stand in the middle of everybody. We don't know the full story behind this woman's life. We don't know all the details that, that led up to this moment. But they made her stand in front of everybody as they publicly shamed her and condemned her to death. If we were to be honest, and I, I pray that, man, we start getting real with each other in these days and start spending some time together in real relationship and connection. I love these gatherings. I think they're awesome, but, man, that's not going to get it done. It's going to take dinner tables. It's going to take sitting around fires. It's going to take having some coffee together. It's going to take spending some time and really getting to know people. And I think the, the greatest fear in, in, in going into those spaces is if you really knew me, would you love me? Tina Turner in her documentary, she said, all my life, all I was looking for was someone to love me. We all want to be loved. We all want to be accepted. And these, these Pharisees, they, they said, verse 5, doesn't Moses' law command us to stone to death this woman? Tell us what you say we should do with her. Here was a defining moment in, in, in this thing called the kingdom of God. There, there was going to be a movement from the law actually just being a governing system that actually brought definition to sin in people's lives to actually this, this beautiful, miraculous working of God's grace, which is divine enabling power over the human heart to actually bring fulfillment to the law. And they, they said this in verse 6. They said they were, only, they were only testing Jesus because they hoped to trap him with his own words and accuse him. You know, isn't it amazing that Jesus himself was accused? Jesus himself was shamed. Did you know how, how shameful it was for someone to die naked upon the cross? In fact, the Bible says it's one of the most shameful things in that time period. He was accused of, of, of all of these wrongdoings when, when he did nothing. It's, but the Bible says, yet he despised the shame. And he had us focused upon the cross because he knew that by going to that cross, this is far greater than a man who was going to be beaten, as horrific as that was. Going to be ridiculed, going, go, you know, have his limbs basically just all dislocated. It was, it was far bigger than that. Jesus was going to that place to take all of the sin, past, present, and future. Sin, let me define it right here. Sin meaning missing of the mark, your intended purpose that God had before he, this is a profound mystery, even formed you in your mother's womb. The design of, of who you were ultimately always created to be. And yet somehow it just veered away under the, 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 really the power of the culture of this world that is so trying to program us and get us so disconnected from the true self of who we always were intended to be in the heart of God. And he was going to go to that cross. Yes, he endured a beating. Yes, he endured shame. Yes, he endured ridicule. Yes, he endured all these things. 
But when the weight of that sin began to come upon him in the garden, it says that he began to sweat great drops of blood because this one had known no dysfunction in his life. He had no, no, known no brokenness of, of any type, and yet it all began to come upon his body, upon his frame. For you and for me. So that sacrificially in that place it could be dealt with and then removed from our lives. you got to hear that word. Not only dealt with so that we can go to heaven, but removed from our lives so heaven could now come and visit us here on the earth. Jesus just didn't come to give us life for salvation. He said, I came to give you life and life abundantly right now. Where are you at? Are you living that reality? I think he's asking us once again today. Where's, where's the functional beauty and health in your relationships? How are you, for, let's back up, how are you doing with your own self? How's that going? Are you able to love you? What has told us when we look in the mirror that maybe we're not all that? Maybe we're not beautiful. Maybe we're not able to, to have the, that, that magic touch to be accepted. And we look on social media and we compare and we think, well, maybe they are, but I'll never be that way. They're trying to trap him. He's writing in the sand. I wish I, oh, I wish I could just be there to see what he was writing down. Maybe the sins of all those other men that were around there trying to accuse this woman. Okay, you want to call her out? She's got that splinter in her eye. I'm going to, I'm going to reveal the log in yours. Like, okay, here, is that where you want to go? I, I probably wasn't that. That's probably what I would do, all right? Jesus is far, far more, you know, just tapped into to, to connection with the Father heart of God. He was probably even trying to bring redemption to these men. I'm sure he was. But he said in verse 7, as they were angry and they kept insisting, he said, let the man who has never had a sinful desire throw the first stone at her. And he bent over and he starts writing in the sand again. Verse 8 reveals. And upon hearing this, the accusers, they just start slowly leaving the crowd one by one. By one, interesting, with the oldest to the youngest. The oldest were like, wow, this guy's got a lot on me. I'm out of here. In verse 10, this is powerful. It says, until finally Jesus was left alone with the woman still standing there in front of him. I want you to just grasp this. The accusations coming through the accusers, which, by the way, the battle for this woman was not with flesh and blood. This was a whole lot bigger deal that was going on here. We know that. We could look at our own lives and we could see, okay, where were those moments where we did something volitionally or something volitionally happened to us that we didn't choose? that took something from our hearts. Imagine having to stand in the center 
of all of those things, all of those accusations, let's call them accusers, and they're just, they're demanding. They're demanding death of us. Die, die, die. You're worthless. You don't mean anything. Look what you have done. Look what's been done to you. And Jesus somehow makes his way into the crowd of those accusers. And one by one by one, they begin to leave. Well, here's where it really gets scary. Now we're only standing with Jesus. What do we do then? You know, when, when we came down here to, I'm going to get very raw with you right here for just a minute. When Wendy and I moved down here with a bunch of friends, actually not a bunch, it was 13 of us. God saw that in that 13 it was sufficient. Because not that we were sufficient, but that he was. But in the, in the beginning of, of planting this little dream called the harbor, which is not even about that name, it's about Jesus somehow through willing hearts and working through those lives, shows up in a region and begins to give other people permission to be free because we found freedom. It wasn't about, oh, let's have some worship. Let's have another message. God's like, no, listen, I'm going to bring freedom to your life so that when you get around other people, they're going to have permission themselves to be free just like you are. And it's not going to come from a place of piety. Like, wow, look what we have done. If you even have that remotely in your mindset, you're so far from the gospel. The gospel is not about what we have done. It's about what he has done. And then we're receptors of that, that, that unagended love. So we're down here. How many of you know that even in those dreams to try to find your true self, to voluntarily say yes, like I want this, we don't even know how to get there. And you got to catch this because, you know, we'll try, we'll, we'll, we'll think that we're resting, but actually we're really striving and we are pushing forward. And man, I thought, oh my gosh, at the, at the end of a, a year or two, I'm like, we're not going to make it. What about you? What about you? When you, when, when you started to feel, man, there's more for me in this life. I, I can't do this the way that I've been doing it anymore. And you start to give yourself to that. And then all these things start to come. And then in your own exhaustion out of the, 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 the efforts of your own strength, your own flesh, your old nature, you start to go, oh my gosh, I don't even know if I'm going to make it. Yet I had this dream. And then those accusers that left, they, they somehow find their way back into that circle around you. I was having one of those moments. Have you ever heard it like you're a failure? Maybe what you thought, maybe it isn't even real. 
And Jesus made his way for me into that circle that day. And we sat there for a while, and I don't even know how to describe it. Like, he actually didn't say anything. But those accusers started to leave. Please hear me. Hold on for just a minute. But I found myself just with Jesus. And when I was just with Jesus, I wanted to leave. What are you talking about, Darren? Listen, we make the accusers more a part of our identity than we actually realize. And we're emptied of them and love sits next to us. We don't know what to do. You know, I remember one time Justin was with me. We were out in California, and just the way that we've been conditioned and cultured in this thing called the kingdom of God with all the things I'm talking about, freedom, and just coming into the true identity of who we are. You know, we just get real, and we get real real quick with people. And I remember this one guy, we were talking to him, and man, God was, go, he was in the room, and he, things were happening, and we are just being us, and the guy was like, hey, guys, I just got to pull back here a minute. I can't handle you guys. You're just too much. Because Jesus was there. And sometimes it's crazy for us to think we've been in church our whole lives. And when Jesus is just with us, it gets really scary then. Because now we're face to face with love and we don't know what to do. Because we've never known love like this. Can you imagine like... Sorry, I haven't even gone. I mean, I could show you. I haven't got to any of my notes today. This is just the way it's going to go, okay, this morning. Because Paul gives this incredible revelation in Romans chapter 5 through 8 on what happened to that woman. Oh, I wish I'm going to tell you about it in some other subsequent times together, but you have to catch this first. Imagine John when he sees love personified in a glorified state when he's taken up in the book of Revelation. I'm not trying to sound super weird here. I'm just saying he saw him for truly the full essence of who he was. You know what happened to him? He fell on his face like a dead man. Love is is beyond anything we can even know or understand. It's not part of our human existence when it always was intended to be. The world has so perverted it. The system that we've grown up under, it's made us so foreign to even understanding this thing, this conception that Jesus came to personify in his life and to try to show us the way. We were driving in this morning and we were were driving through Old Pompano right here and there was a boat parked out in front of a house. And there was a pelican sitting in front of the boat here in Old Pompano. I've never seen a pelican east of US-1. Can I get an amen? Never. I was like, Lord, why is this pelican sitting in front of this boat? He said, well, that boat's somewhat familiar to him. So he's sitting there in front of that boat. I'm like, but he's so far from the ocean. He's so far from his environment. And the Lord was like, just like you sometimes, Darren. You sit in front of a boat. Parked in old Pompano and you think it's my kingdom. 
And yet there's an ocean out there that you were supposed to live in and exist in called the ocean of my love. Where have we left ourselves? Where have we resigned to be as humans? We come and we do our little religious thing on Easter Sunday. We think, oh, I know that Jesus died and rose from the dead and I'll sing about it and, and we'll, we'll, you know, go on with our merry little way afterwards. But look what he says to her. In verse 9, verse 10, as he's left alone with this woman, he asks her, it's just you and me. Where are your accusers? And I think he's wondering, are you going to run away too? Now that it's just these fiery eyes of love looking at you. He says, is there no one here to condemn you? And looking around, verse 11, she replies, I see no one, Lord. And you may not believe me as I say this to you today. In the voice of all your accusers and all those condemning voices and all those memories that haunt you, none of those are here to accuse you today. Jesus has dispelled them one by one. But can you see it? Can you? Or do you, do you try to reimagine them in your mind? Oh, there's this thing I did. I just can't let go of it. I can't forgive myself. Oh, there's this thing that happened to me. I'm damaged goods. Look at my family. Who am I? My upbringing. God, there's no way there's any hope for me, really. I see no one, Lord. And Jesus looks at her then certainly I don't condemn you. There's no, there's, there's no condemnation because he took her sin. He was crucified before the foundations of the world. Again, mind-blowing verse. He took her sin upon himself, soon to be realized. I'm wrapping this up. But here's the thing you gotta get. He tells her, from now on, be free and go and be free from a life of sin. In other words, with me and you, you can be your true self. You can be exactly who you were always intended to be. Oh my gosh, what? You mean we don't just have to just walk the aisle, say a prayer, know we're going to heaven? and then live jacked up for the rest of our lives? That has been so confusing to people, especially kids and people that have been raised in church. They're so confused. What do you mean? Because they know love is bigger than that. Love just doesn't come to, 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 to forgive. It comes to free us. It comes to get us into a place that we were always intended to live in. Now, that may be a process, as we aware, come, become aware of what we actually carry, the nature of Jesus on the inside. Last thing, Paul, gosh, I wish I could have shared this with you, but he's, he knew the law well. 
And he described it. He said, man, for me, the law was just a thing to make me conscious of, of actually all the sin that I'd committed, all the missing of the mark of who I was always intended to be. Never intended to be Saul. Who shall deliver me from this? He cries out. And then he says, thanks be to God for Jesus Christ. On the road to Damascus, love encounters him. Guess what, Saul? You're going to get a new name. You're going to get a new identity. You're going to get a whole new way of living. Let's take a minute. Let's just sit on this as we think of this great love. And we ask the question, along with Jesus, where are our accusers?
you, God. If we could all stand just as we close. And if it's okay, if, if you wouldn't mind just with me, I just want, I'm just closing my eyes because I just want to focus my heart for just a minute. I mean, I'm excited. Listen, I could shout and get all fired up, but I, I want to personally just sit for a minute and ponder the profound reality that somehow in Jesus all of our accusers have no authority and no power over our life. And if we could stay with Him after all of them leave, just take a minute and look into those beautiful wonderful eyes of the one who's in us before we even knew ourselves and who wants to not only just say some religious words over us like go and sin no more but actually give us his very essence by the Holy Spirit to actually live and to move and to have our being in this life where when people see us they see scars but they hear life when Jesus spoke even in his glorified state the scars are still there but the life still flows from his mouth it's like it's like river just with so much water that, that no one can even imagine and fathom like can you can you imagine like that is in us there's life in us that that God wants to pour out into our neighborhoods into our families into our workplaces to South Florida that's so desperately under a state and condition of shame it's the reason there's so much pride it's it's a response of fear and insecurity People can't be themselves, so they got to pretend like there's someone else. God, we, we just say over our own hearts, may it be true of us. May, may we model like this woman ultimately did, like Peter did, like Paul, like all of the followers of Jesus that thought they knew what he was saying the whole time and yet knew nothing. It wasn't until failure and tell the possibility for shame and condemnation that they were even maybe even positioned for Jesus to lift that off of them they were so confident in themselves forgive us where we've been that Lord especially if we think we have it all figured out and yet you're like you do all these things and you say all these things and yet you don't even know me remembering that parable where the righteous one is saying I'm glad I'm not like this guy and then the unrighteous one is like God I need you and Jesus says who's going to be the more righteous one for he or she who has been forgiven much loves much to this moment and rid us of our accusers.
instead of looking down when you look at us, let us have the courage to look into those beautiful eyes. Have our ears be attentive to hear those beautiful things you want to say over us versus all the other things we thought that you would say because of what our experience has been. understand your kingdom remember they're asking where's your kingdom where's your kingdom and he said it's on the inside of you it's already there you don't have to go searching it's there I'm, I'm, I'm you I'll never leave you I'll never forsake you what I began in you I will complete how much of Jesus do we want life do we want it's really our choice today could you have the courage to say yes if you're with me in that just say Darren I'm with you in that it's what he paid for when you think of when you weep over his death weep over what he paid for that he's not seen yet and I don't say that in a striving way. It's like, this is, the, this is the longing of the heart of God. Can you imagine? It's like one of your children. You want to see all that you've set them up for to come into and to succeed. It's the same as, as God has done for us. mean to belabor this Megan I just I, could you just sing over us just for just a minute just before we go unrehearsed just a song of the Lord over our hearts you know before we go we love you it's all
songs first. go today let's go just like that woman let's go and be freely us fully us in Jesus what does that look like trust me he'll show you he'll he'll pull that real person of you out just be open he saw you first and God bless you guys. Have an amazing, amazing Sunday. Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.